Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Stronger Together Couple Power, Parenting After Infertility and Surrogacy. Should you be lucky enough to be parents after struggling with infertility, you might have something invaluable to share with other families. We all want our children to be resilient and resourceful, to strive through challenges and find the joy in every day. What I've learned is that resiliency is hard-earned through the tough times. Today's podcast brings together two strong, resilient, and resourceful couples who shared the heartbreak of infertility and the challenges of surrogacy. They also learned a ton about mutual support and the emotional ups and downs of uncertainty and dreams deferred. I think they have lots to share with other parents facing the emotional roller coaster of life with kids. A big welcome to Alex and David Rappaport and Marissa and Joe Gelfand. Alex, will you get us started and share a little of your journey before Blair and how that might have prepared you for the challenges and joys of being parents? Most definitely. Um, Well, thank you for having me back. I'm so excited. This is obviously a topic that is near and dear to me and my life. This is surrogacy, fertility, has been part of our marriage, our coupleness, for the last six years almost, I would say. We've been married just now seven. Um, And the need to be a parent, the want to be a parent, has been a part of my life since I could ever dream of wanting to be one. Um, So the idea of Blair, the idea of any future children was something I always wanted for myself. I always looked for certain characteristics in a partner, you know, to be a partner in life with and a parent. Um, So when I met David, which we met very young, um, have a great story. We met on a teen tour. We then, (laughs) yep, we met on a teen tour. I love it. We then went to different high schools, re-met again in college, and we're very good friends prior to actually becoming a couple. Um, So we have this underlying basis of friendship. So I feel that I know him pretty well um, and the funny looks that he's giving me right now. (laughs) But um, I knew that he would be an amazing father. um, And it was something that I, soon after we got married, wanted to do. And he was the responsible one and said, we have to wait. (laughs) We Uh... need to be financially sound. Like, you know, I would have been the one who got pregnant on our honeymoon, but yeah. the voice of reason, the responsible one, was like, we just bought a house, we should go travel as much as we can, and all that kind of really spoke to me, but in, in the back of my mind, I was ready. Um, I kept nudging. 
<laughs> but you kept res- respectfully honoring one another's choices. For sure, because yeah. it's one of those things. Um, <laughs> he rolled his eyes again. <laughs> he was pretty persuasive with nice, you know, trips yeah. to see the world, and it was kind of like, yeah, like, let's do that. Um, and yeah, well, it's very different. Alex's mom got pregnant right away. My parents were married for seven years before my brother, so. Uh-huh. I don't think there's any right way. Um, I think it's also different. Okay, um, this is Marissa. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Go for it. Um, I think it's also different because we also met when we were young, but we'll get to that too. We had but, a really nice story of how we met too. <laughs> but um, How old not, were you? Uh, we were a senior, seniors in college and oh we met. So we were 22, but none of our friends had kids. We got married pretty young compared to all of our friends or right around the same time. So everyone didn't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. Um so we didn't feel in such a rush at the beginning because we weren't surrounded by all of our friends with kids at that point. We're also planners and kind of always in the same timetable uh, in general. So I think we kind of had the same outlook on when we kind of, maybe you, you want to get married a little sooner, but in general, <laughs> I think that we had the same timetable of when we were looking to start and having kids. And it felt like a natural sink. Yeah. Okay, so how many years of infertility and then the surrogacy decisions um, till you got to happy and easy happy and easy um i don't think there's ever you know easy happiness for sure um the for us it was about five years right that sounds about right married four and a half five years no well blair's 16 months so no it's probably like three to four years of of struggle in the trenches right in the trenches and describe that emotional journey for for you individually and together? Um, I think to this day, we still um, support one another in this. We will feel things very differently. I think you can't help it, being a woman and being a man. Um, But David, I've said it before, he is the rock of the family. He's my rock. He's everybody's rock. He's very special. Um, And I don't think that he realized or even does realize to this day what he means to everyone. As it pertains to our marriage and life and fertility especially, um, he is always glass half full with everything. On my darkest days, on our darkest days, he was always looking forward to the future and never denied me the thought that I would be a mom, that we would have a child, that however it would happen, Um, he would make sure that it did. And surrogacy was not a decision we came to lightly, um, but it was also a decision that we didn't think anything else of. Um, Right, no. I mean, well, I mean, we started off, I mean, we talked about adoption, we talked about all that stuff before, and my attitude was that if we had the means to go the surrogacy route and we could try that before anything else, then I would prefer to go that route. Not that, I mean, any which way we were going to have a child. I knew that it wasn't, like, a concern in my mind. So, I mean, but Alex was always, couldn't, Alex couldn't see that. Like, she couldn't get past, like, the present to see that it would happen at some point. So I'm going to come back to you, David, to talk about the your journey through that. If there was an emotional backlash for you, what it meant to support Alex. The other thing that I'm hearing that I think is so powerful, and that is two things. One is the things you learn about each other's emotional life is pretty deep and profound when you go through those trenches together. 
the other, so that, so that knowledge, that communication, all of that, that's going to equip you to handle all of the, every, every possible uncertainty, doubt, guilt, stress, I hope, of raising children, which is big. But you've had to deal with it in this other thing that you could like name where other parents are like, no, I'm supposed to be happy and this is development. So it gets a little fuzzy in the, in the parenting, but I think that you have tools now that, that other parents may not have at, with young children as you guys have. The other thing I think that I hear and see, and this is why I wanted you to do this podcast so much, is the wink, wink, the you too is unified in the world. As you said, you're both changed by this. And so when anything's happening in the world, you know what she's thinking. She knows what you're thinking. She knows she's, you've got her back no matter what. There's, there's a strange and fairy dust magic over this that changes how you go forward. So I mean, all of that, the question to you again, David, was how did you go through that journey and how do you feel it's changed you going forward, knowing Alex, raising Blair? I mean, I'd say I just try to stay strong through it for Alex. And, I mean, that was that was the biggest challenge is, I mean, I put my own emotions on the back burner. Like, I just, I mean, I lived my day-to-day life, and the hardest part of the whole thing was that really nobody else knew about it. It was hidden, and ultimately I just... I mean, I'd say, I mean, we are stronger from it. And it's one of those things that would either make your relationship or break your relationship. And, I mean, we're definitely stronger from it. But ultimately, it was, I mean, it was a challenge. And Alex is very emotional, no matter what we're talking about. Um, Which is... (laughs) Which is a strength in parenting. I mean, yeah. it's a sensitivity, it's a compassion, it's an empathy, it's an understanding. I and temperamentally and, <laughs> and temperamentally, you've got this other demeanor. I'm gonna come back to where you're vulnerable in this, because um, because I think that's really important. So I wanna go to Joe to talk about his journey. I think I think we're very similar in a lot of ways when we've met um, kind of our path to trying to have a child. Um, for me, I think my role in it was a little different um, because I just felt so helpless through everything. You're pretty much seeing your wife become a science experiment, and you are not really doing much except for, <laughs> you know, providing your your five seconds of, of science <laughs> behind the <laughs> firm. So um, you're there, and you're seeing what she's going through, and I don't think that I, I was a rock. I don't think that I was the one holding anything together. I was just trying to be there for Marissa when she did have her seldom breakdown, so for me, it's more or less, um, she was so strong. She was always thinking forward. We never wanted to take a break. We always had like a path and wanted to do um, whatever we could to have our child. And she more or less, we didn't tell anybody else anything either. Just like, it sounds like you guys were very private about everything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we told, I told my one friend, some, and only my immediate family, and she was uh, to a few select friends because we didn't really want the empathy or want to have to report to anyone when anything happened. No, most of the people for us didn't know until, I mean, the carrier was 20 weeks pregnant. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we really... Except we, for an inner yeah, circle. Right, like a very yeah. inner, very close group of people knew before that, but other than that, yeah. I mean, people should... I, I have an idea that you're trying because um, people are expecting it. In the beginning, people ask a question, and that's always the hardest thing is, when are you guys going to have children? And literally they know that you've been trying for a long time, and that's just like the question that eventually fades away. And when that fades away, you know that the people who 
are no longer asking that question, definitely know something's up. And then we also had some other runs and other problems when we were trying to get pregnant where we actually had a, a late termination of, um, I think, tw- at the 20-week checkup. So that was very hard, too, because we had to tell people at that point, and then everything just kind of stopped. So we had, we had like, ups and downs, um, but we were very a- always in – we're always looking forward to the next step. Yeah. Marissa? Um, no, I just – you know, our – journey was pretty long. I mean, kind of going back to your first question, we met, you know, in college and we got married. We were married for two years and then we went through um, about four and a half years of fertility struggles before we decided to just move forward with surrogacy. It was always something that we talked about, but we never, I don't know, our doctors always felt like we were, you know, making progress and I, you know, but then finally we just decided we were so ready to have kids and we would just figure out a different way, make a change that we could control. And, you know, we were fortunate to um, have Joe's sister who uh, volunteered to be our carrier. So she carried Ezra for us. Um, but I think in terms of just all of the fertility struggles that we went through, you know, we were very fortunate to really not have any big issues that we had to deal with in our relationship early on in our marriage. Um, really, we never faced anything significant. And the fertility was like the first, you know, real, I think, difficult time that we just emotions that I had. And could you describe some of those? You know, I think I'm I don't consider it. I've never been a depressed person. I've never been, um, you know, an emotional person. I just think I've had a pretty um, good temperament. And then, you know, when you're on so many hormonal medications, it just, it takes a toll on you. And I feel, um, like we also needed to figure out, you know, if I'm sad and at the beginning he wanted to just always be so positive, like it's, you know, next time it's going to work and it's going to be great. And, you know, I, we got into sort of like big things in our in conversations just to be like, let me just be sad. Like even, just even we had if you to, don't believe it. You still, still got to do it to a point where it's Right, but we needed to up. figure yeah. out what worked for us, and it was like, okay, he needs to just let me be sad and not try to cheer me on. But then tomorrow, then I was more receptive to sort of that talk. But I just, you know, I needed some time to, you know, feel my emotions. And then the next day I was ready to move on with, you know, a new plan. But I just... Well, I think that that's one of the biggest things in parenting. And it starts, you know, as you said, when you're going through all these emotions. Because what happens in parenting is you take two very different people who've had different life's experiences, different circumstances, different family histories. And then all of a sudden, you're you're supposed to be consistent on the same page with the same vision, with the same dreams. And as Alex said, no, you know, she, she looked for the right person. You know, you do everything you can to optimize that. And then you're, and then at some point, your parents together, you go, and all of a sudden, it's like, that's what you think? Or that's how you're going to do it? You know, the idea of even letting your partners parent their own way is a huge journey when you when you're new parents. Okay, you're on, David. <laughs> I know where that face is going. I know where that face is going. So my one of the biggest things with fertility issues, I mean with anything, is the unknown and is the lack of control. And my type of personality, I don't it's both like both of us. We're the right. same way. 
I don't like flying because I don't feel like if, God forbid, a million times there was something wrong, I wouldn't know. You wouldn't, so know, how, you wouldn't know how to land I wouldn't know it's type a, how to land. It's control. Right. It's, it's a, a control. micromanager. It's a mi- it's well, exactly. I think in this world, successful women, successful men, people that are used to getting a lot of reinforcement and success signs out there in the world, when you come to the family and to parenting, it's like you wake up every day and you have to do it all over again. And no matter how great you did it the day before, it's like, oh, now you want me to change. And then your child changes on you. And then you have to rethink the whole the whole pattern again, restructure your routines, your rules, your your schedules, and, and it just it's it's constantly changing. So I think parenthood is absolutely antithetical to most things in our highly managed controlled world. Yes. And it's stressful. And it's stressful. And it's stressful um, in a different way. I mean, I find so yes, I mean I'm an event planner. Um, so I like to plan. I Blair has a routine. Um, I kind of pride myself on the routine that she has, and you know the and knowing what's going to happen. And right, granted, and Alex is home with Blair. Like right. I mean, so so knowing what's going to happen in the best way that I can with a sixteen-month-old. I mean, obviously, every day she's is really, very she's fluid. Really easy. But like, she, she is an easy we are kid. so blessed. She is an easy child. So when. David tries to jump in. I am so used to our routine. I'm not the easiest to be like, well, why, you know, I'll make it, why'd you do it that way? Or why didn't you do this? (laughs) Or why'd you give her the fruit before you gave her the cheese? Or things like that. Okay, well, that's perfect, because now you've blown my whole theory (laughs) that you guys have all these newfound skills from infertility that have now equipped you to go, yeah, yeah, we're partners. No, well, Alex just wants it done a certain way. It's like there's a routine. Well, it's because of the fertility and the lack of control that existed on my side Love that it. now I feel like I'd like to control. And you are okay, no, but no, but it goes. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's as easy as breakfast. Like it's like I mean I could take out pancakes and Blair had pancakes yesterday for breakfast. Why is she eating pancakes again? And I'm just like, all right, you do your thing. I think I think for us it was a little different though because I think if we had more time to plan it and to just have a normal pregnancy, we'd probably over plan having a child. But. All we thought about until we, I, my sister actually gave birth to my child. It sounds weird when I say it still. <laughs> and she'll tell you the same thing. Um, it, we were just waiting till, till we actually had the baby in our hands. Because you couldn't believe it until you right. were going to hold it. Oh, I totally, totally, totally agree. Have no time to plan. So right totally now, I, I think we're... I, You're I think playing catch-up a little bit. I don't know if we're playing catch-up. We're kind of winging it, but I think... I don't know, but winging it in a good way. Like, we had an idea of what kind of parents we thought we'd be, and I think we're, right. we hit it pretty much. You know, like, you know, we know what's gonna, what it was going to be like. I'm the worrier, believe it or not, and she's more of, like, the lax, like, let's stick to um, a schedule. If he's crying for 15 minutes in his crib, like, be that way, and after two minutes of crying, I'm like, I'm going up, I'm going up. <laughs> and I, I'm, the, I'm the one who freaks out. But, um, yeah, I think, that, I think that we pretty much are the parents we thought we'd be, and I think it just comes from... I don't know, kind of how we were raised. I actually thought I would be a different parent than I than I am. I guess I, guess. I did. <laughs> <laughs> but at least Marissa turned out to be the mother you thought she was. <laughs> no, I do a have way. a little bit of a type yes. A personality in terms of, you know, my work life and just the organization. And I can't wing a vacation. It's no. planned, you know, from the moment we land till, you know... Till the end. Three, you should go away together. (laughs) (laughs) But as soon as we have had Ezra, I don't know what it is. I've just been, from the moment, you know, we had him, just been much calmer than I thought I would ever be. 
I anyone could have held him when he was born. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I was just much calmer than I thought I would be, and it's continued in terms of even like the just ger- relaxed. I'm like just you're probably I'm, at I'm full peace of joy. after all that I, struggle. I, right? I, I that think. was the question that you asked this week in class. Was um, what have you felt? I'm going to butcher the question now. What was born in you when your child right. was born? And my answer was the need to be able to breathe, like the ability to breathe, to well, sit back have a family now. and relax right. and to be calm. Because prior to that, I didn't know how to be calm. I wasn't able to relax. So I never thought that having the child, I would then calm down. But it makes sense because, yes. Because you've already been through. We were traumatized. Well, yeah. I was going to say, like, as I'm listening to you speak, one of the quotes that came into my mind is hearing Sheryl Sandberg talk this week about option B. And she says, you know, her whole family and their, you know, school-age boys, when, when their father died, she, she, then now they look at each other and go, we can handle that, Mom. Like, it's not as bad as Dad dying, you know? And so, like, life is permanently changed by, it, well, nothing that's going to happen can ever be as horrible of us not having this fabulous dream come true, that we now have. Maybe. Yeah. No, I mean... So there's peace and room to breathe. Right. I'm still worried all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the worry. <laughs> Thank you. I just love it when, when it's like, God, like you yeah. can't make so, any assumptions, I guess, Karen. I guess it's who you are. Like uh, yeah. My brother-in-law even said, it's like oh, the beginning. Like All your worrying is just beginning because as I get older and like even from day one, I'm just still, you know, we worked so hard to get this kid. Right, but those you know? are little worries. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but you know. like for me, I, like, I could say when Alex is home, when we're home together, that... I don't worry. Like I'm, I'm good. She's got the like, like Blair. But Blair Alex is isn't fine. Home. The yeah. second Alice walks out of the house, like <laughs> Alex went away to her sister had a baby and she flew to New York, and like with Blair home, Alex away. Like Alex is the one who wakes up fifty times in the middle of night just to look at the monitor, and Blair <laughs> sleeps from seven o'clock at night till eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But she still wakes up, yeah. and like I like am like staring at the monitor, like is she breathing? Like if Alex <laughs> comes home, and, if Alex comes home and I did something, like it's over. <laughs> so you're scared of the her stronger more together will not be. <laughs> okay. yeah, right. Everyone's scared of her. <laughs> Lovely, thank you. Not we love yeah. her. Um, what I love about that uncensored. <laughs> It's so perfect, um, because I think temperament has everything to do with it, for sure. Um, And I also think, back to the worries, what I want to say is each little worry prepares you for the next set of worries. So as you go through development, I mean, I will, I will always say those young toddler tantrums, the sleepless nights with the, with the 10 month olds, the, um, the potty training control issues, the, the defiance and the, and the out of the box thinking when you're five, all of that prepares you for middle school and high school. You know, you don't, you can't possibly raise a high schooler without having gone through the age appropriate dramas that come before it. So yes, you're supposed to worry because that's part of the bonding that helps you understand who Ezra is, you know, and to figure out who you are as a dad. So let me come back to the other question about you're the dad you thought you'd be. Well, I'm obsessed with him and I don't know if it's just (laughs) the fact that we waited so long to get something and now we have it because I mean maybe that's the case but you're waiting to be a father for so long because it's been such a long journey he's here and um, he's been a very easy kid too like extremely easy so we're lucky there but he has like such a personality and as he's growing up a lot of people that like I remember before I had um, Ezra when I was flying to Chicago to go get him um, before he was born, <laughs> um, like there were a bunch. Of, I was with a bunch of dads, like 
who have kids who are about, you know, six months to two years, and they're saying, don't be surprised if for the first few months you don't feel that connection or have anything. And I'm like, is that really going to happen? I'm like, that would really stink if, if I didn't have, like, a connection or feel like that way towards my kid. And, like, from the first second, like, I felt like I had a connection and, like, I was already there, which made me feel good. But I, I could totally understand because what, what does a baby really do the first three months, you know, besides, like, try to get into a routine? So, um they but need you desperately. I know they need you that, desperately. That, that the just little feedback, right? <laughs> so you don't get much of you don't get much feedback from them. I felt the same way once I realized that Blair wasn't so breakable. Like that was like the initial fear when you have a kid is that you know, especially a first kid, you don't know right. what is ultimately you know what the fear is when you're changing a diaper or doing anything. You just don't want to do anything wrong, right. Right. and it's easier to do anything without someone standing right behind you. Like, any, you know, family member, someone who has three kids, it's just easier to parent without someone watching you. But when you talk about connection, and you were worried about having a connection, I know that Alex and I had actually talked about this, because uh, you had Blair six months before we had Ezra, and um, going through surrogacy, you know, I was actually, I was okay through most of the journey, so to speak. But my biggest worry was, will I have this connection to Ezra when he was born by not, you know, carrying him? And I think that was my biggest anxiety through the entire um, process. But then as soon as he came out, it, it was exactly like you said, it just was natural. And it just, he, you know, he belonged to me and we did skin to skin right away. And it just, um, and don't forget that it's also, you know, he didn't hear your voice, so you were worried, would he have a connection with you? But well, we did I record every We recorded yeah. everything. I felt all the same things. But the second Blair was born, every bad feeling, every fear you had, like, disappeared. Disappeared. It was like, it was like you carried her. It didn't matter at that point. It was like you, you didn't have that, that worry anymore. And you didn't right. have time to have the worry. No. I mean, my, with literally our life just became Blair. I mean, and it was like... I don't remember what life was like before her. I don't want to remember what life was like before her. Right. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time, but I'm definitely happy. But it's either. interesting because I think anyone who I know that actually that is going to listen to this podcast and that I'm actually speaking on it is going to be surprising because we were so private about everything, and it was really difficult for me to be open and talk about um our fertility struggles, just surrogacy in general when we were going through it. Um, but after we had Ezra, I am now like a little bit of an open book and I'm happy to talk to you you know, anyone, anyone and I want to help. Right. It just, it was so difficult for me being in it. I could talk to someone else that was going through it. So when I had met Alex... Um, because you didn't have the hope. You didn't right, have the reassurance right. that you were, it was going to be okay. Well, that was like when we posted at 20 weeks on Facebook and like Alex wrote a whole post about our journey and how, you know, we had a baby on the way and be a carrier and whatever. And I remember a few people said like, why, why'd you do that? What made you do that? And not just tell, I, like we had talked about it and we said nobody knew before it, mm-hmm. but the bottom line was if you helped one person that was going through like this I mean, a horrible thing, but, like, horrible, like, underground thing that nobody talks about. Well, And I want to revisit that for each of you now. And that is the theme that you brought to the other podcast on infertility. 
And, and what you had said to me on that one was, Karen, we need to talk about this because when we come to these classes with our children, we are different parents and we look around and we have different emotions when we're sitting with other parents. They don't know our backstory. They don't know the struggles, the joys, and who else in this group isn't able to communicate what they're feeling. So I want to start with the moms because I think you are the first to break this barrier. Um, I mean, whether and whether it's, sh- I don't, you know, whether it's shame. I don't know if there's shame to it or this element of this isn't the way it's typically done. I mean, surrogacy feels like a new barrier that needs to be exploded. I, I mean, there's still people out there that go. <gasps> I mean, every person gets their own choice, but like, oh, no, I'd never. Like, you know, I mean, well, don't say no. You know, don't say, I don't know, that offends me. But, and then I want to hear the dad's perspective of how how dad's experience of this is misunderstood or not understood by the rest of the world. Um, Yeah, I mean, I... I think it's exactly what you said. I think you can sit in a room and you, you know, see someone with a baby and you just, you know, put this picture in their head, in your head about, um, you know, their story. But I really think that we don't know anyone's story. And you, um, I think it's, I think it's important to talk about, but it's, you know, like I said, it's easier for me to talk about it now that we had Ezra. I think through the whole process, we were talking before, it was so traumatizing to me that I I don't think that we really felt comfortable until Ezra was actually born to even talk about it. And so, um, but now, you know, I think that it's... We still don't broadcast it. We, even to this day, we'll have people we meet through, uh, I don't know, friends or friends, and they'll be talking to us, and then they'll ask the question, like, oh, well, how, how, was, how was your pregnancy? And we're like, sure, ah, that is a little different. And then right. we like, break We the didn't news. know in class till after the other podcast. Right. And you said, yeah, I know Alex. And I was yeah. like... What? Tell us. Right. And, well, we, and I said, yes. can, I, can I invite you to tell your story to the whole class? Right. And you're like, absolutely. Right. And then I was more open. But then I, I, felt, I felt sort of empowered by that, you know, and I felt like it was okay to share my story. And then, like you said, if someone can... now we share it every class. Right. And then if, if, <laughs> yeah. if someone can it's be important. helped by, you know, by me talking about it and it being open... It just breaks open. any myths or stereotypes right. or misconceptions It's just it's hard for there. me, like you said... Um, it was hard going through fertility struggles and feeling, you know, that I wasn't, you know, the wife that we, you know, when we had gotten gotten married and it sort of, you know, that's, that's what my, my job was. That's the wife. And it, totally and to, understand. to not be able to sort of fulfill that um, was difficult. And then, yes, I felt like, you know, there might be, it wasn't that there might be judgment from other people, but it, it was difficult for me. I'm different. Right, and for other people to make assumptions about what we were going through, and then when we were going through surrogacy, a lot of the when people did find out the questions that people ask, it was hard for me at first when people would ask questions because I felt like they were prying into my life. But then I realized, and we had a lot of discussions about it, that it was my job to sort of educate people on surrogacy. But you're protecting your heart and, at yeah. the same time and your family. Now you learn there are a lot well, of uneducated yes. people that ask questions that are totally inappropriate. Take it, David. I wasn't. <laughs> no, no, please, yeah, go for it. No. Because we, we're here to... to like to, a lot of people openly the, asking right, like if it was your, is it your, is it your egg. egg? Like, I yeah. mean, someone said to Alex, like, what if she keeps the baby? Well, it's not her baby, right. and she's not keeping and the baby. And why would she want And to? why would she right. want? Like, just I mean, because. it's just not... But there are a lot of people that just don't understand 
the science behind it and the fact that it was our embryo, it's our kid. And, and even if it wasn't, for whatever reason, regardless... Right, there's a contract. She would be, and right. He was, would be your child. Right. It doesn't matter. That's right. That's right. So to feel that we have to justify that... I and mean, to some people, we barely knew it. It's none of their business. Right. <laughs> right, but people think about, what was it, baby, whatever. Like, I mean, when it was the, the that carriers. Was traditional surrogacy. Right, traditional surrogacy. Different. They don't think about surrogacy. It was, you know, it was the carrier's egg. So right, that's a right. totally different. Right, right, right. You know. Um, but we even had to educate our parents and our families mm-hmm. on surrogacy at the beginning. It was. I think Explain our, some I of think that our parents did our, like, their own, I want to say they did their own homework. My mom likes to Google um, everything. So I think she figured out pretty much exactly what was involved. And, you know, we talked, there's a lot of lingo. I mean, right. you PGD, PGS, you know, embryos, five-day, you know, all these things that you learn about. Um, you know, even terminology with IVF, IUI, there, it's a whole new language right. that you learn. You need to become educated on. Um so, yeah, if people in your life, you know, want to take interest or be there for you to support you, they will figure it out. And then those other people who say stupid things, like, I mean, at least maybe they ask a question. You know, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Sometimes there are. But, you know, people, you hope, come from a good place. Right. You lived with your guard up, though. I mean, that was well, I it. I think that's it. You're walking on this sword right, where, just, where right. it's like, I, I want to share. I want to be open. I want to be joyful about all of this. I mean, and I and was yet overly we, protected. We've got so much like, vulnerability, right. so much of our own stuff at stake and our own. It's just how much. Where's the privacy where, you know, you have there's so many questions to all of it. To this day, oh, sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Oh. Um, I, went, I thought he had something to say before about the, the dad's perspective on fertility, but we'll come back. To this day, you know, when it comes to feelings with surrogacy and just how, as a couple, we handle things and how, as a mom and a person, um, you know, ultimately, I'm going to be very honest, um, I feel a lot of jealousy in our classes, in any class that I take. Um, I still feel... Like Marissa touched on, like, am I not the wife that I should have been? You know, like, did he, David, pick the right person? Um, Because for whatever reason, I feel insufficient. I'm not able to carry a child. Doesn't make me a bad person. Doesn't make me a bad mom. I think it makes me a stronger mom because of what I went through. More Um, grateful mom. A more grateful mom. I think it makes our marriage stronger because he... We see flaws in each other and love each other for all of our nooks and crannies and cracks and bruises and all sorts of things. Um, but the struggle of fertility and surrogacy and doesn't go away. Um, you know, regardless of whether we're a one-child family or maybe, God willing, one day we might have more. Um, you know, that will never—the journey that we went through in the struggle— is something that will never go away from our marriage. Um, for me as a person, you know, an experience of being pregnant and delivering is something I would have wanted for myself. I want it for my daughter. Um, one day I'll have to explain to her these feelings um, and how to teach her, you know, yeah, you know, mommy felt insufficient and mommy felt jealous of these people, but, you know, not everybody has everything, but you need to stay strong. And if you want something so bad, you'll do whatever you can to get it and to get there. And you pick a strong partner to be next to you and realize that you are partners. 
that's right, but the all those negative thing. things that Alex felt about herself, like I never felt inside, and and, and I've said that fifty times, and it it didn't it matter how many it. times, it but I never it. felt it inside. It was never like never even something that crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah. And and all I want to say for the listeners, and it's just because I hear it on so many podcasts, and I heard it, you know, when we did the one on the the coming to family time or parent child classes for the first time and the moms were like let's talk about all that anxiety and and I was like what anxiety like this is happy and I realized everybody I think the new world of parenting you are very much in touch with your own journey so you're very much in touch with who you are and how you're being a part of this where where maybe sometimes there wasn't as much self-reflection about parenting. It was like, throw the food down, get this done, go on to the next thing. I don't really know if that's a stereotype or not. But but I think what happens is when people, I think that I want to say to everybody, whether it's fertility, whether it's postpartum, whether it's any of the stresses that hit families, and families go under a million stresses over the course of raising children and beyond, and that is, we all have to work a lot harder to know, like, when you share, and I, and I so appreciate you sharing, that you can feel jealous in those classes. Because we look at you, and, and I don't know about everybody in the world, but I would assume the majority of people in the world look and go, Alex is a perfect mom. You know, Alex is someone that's so together, and Alex has got this, and she's, you know, there's so much, and I feel the same about Marissa, is like, that you guys come with strength and confidence in your demeanor and in your presence and in your parenting, and we bow and honor that, but as always, it's the tip of the iceberg, and, and we live in a new world where we're sharing vulnerabilities and sharing stories and, and everybody realizing that everybody has a parenting story is really profound. And I think it makes your generation to be the best generation of parents that will ever, that has ever walked this planet. I believe it with my whole heart. And I'm coming to you, Joe. You're coming to me. All right. So um, I think we've kind of made this story into a positive in our lives. So it was a very, it was years of negativity. Um, and I, I think right after the baby, I, I was sitting in the room and our kid was out and we like cheered science so we had to like we were like yay science <laughs> we chose science. Awesome. science because Love you it. know many years ago we wouldn't have had these opportunities um, and we had to feel lucky that we are you know in a time where we can go through all these problems and then we can do something that's so crazy and the positive part of it is now that um, I feel like our kid has a connection to my sister and her family she has She's had, she had had two kids already, and um, they didn't want a third, and we pretty much told her that, you know, <laughs> get ready to, you know, have, carry one more, and she was always supportive throughout the whole process, and now her kids have kind of seen this baby develop in their mother, and now they both have such a strong connection to this kid. So I mean, what a so beautiful close. dynamic yeah. that has to it's be. Crazy. How, it, it, uh, how old are her children, and so, how do they respond um, to Ezra? Um, one just turned 11 and the other one's seven years old. They have a little ownership over Ezra? The younger the one younger is <laughs> very, very into like, They fight over who can hold him. It's like and brother, cousin. Yeah, yeah cousin exactly. And, and and they did a really good job of kind of explaining to them, you know, right. what was going on. And that was one of the concerns, like how would the kids react through this whole process? Right. But they did a really good job and, and they understood that it's their cousin and um, and they're very connected. We FaceTime with them all the time. And my sister ha- and her husband have a connection with our kid that... I think has made everything stronger. And then 
now when people talk about it, it, it's kind of a cool story. And most people are like, oh, that's such a cool story. And they want to ask more about it. And now I think we kind of are very open about it. Right. We didn't even tell anybody that we were doing a podcast. We don't, <laughs> we didn't post anything on Facebook. We're not. It'll be posted in a few hours. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we're not, we're not sharers of like our, yeah. our lives with people who are, are not really close to us or it doesn't come to in conversation. So it's kind of, this is kind of like our coming out, I guess, um, from that. So. Yeah. Coming out of the closet. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you could do it with us. <laughs> and what I want to say too is, is the word, the word I used in the intro was fearless. And what I want to say from that little piece is, we're all, everybody gets so stressed. How are you going to explain this? Right. You can explain it to a seven year old and an 11 year old. Children can understand anything. There is a vocabulary and a strategy and concepts that can be made age appropriate for every age. And when you create those family stories to tell, you know, your, your future siblings how this is going to be, then there's always hope and promise. And so the fearlessness with which you know you can, you can communicate to, to anyone that this is a good, that this, this makes sense and that it's um, Absolutely. a great story. I joked that um, one day Blair's going to ask mommy where do babies come from? Exactly. And I'm going to have such a good time with that exactly. conversation because where do babies come from? They come from a lot of places. There are so many ways to have a baby, to make a baby. And I, you know, I'm already starting planning well, let my Let me ask one, one question that I don't know the answer to, and that is, um, you know, when, when we, we went hundreds of years ago, when we were thinking of how do we tell kids that they're adopted, it was like, we want those adoption books in there when they're toddlers. We want that vocabulary and that experience to be part of, you know, that there's many ways to have a baby, and you don't just want all the generic, you know, where do babies come from experiences around them. So... Are there any resources? Oh, for, there are tons of books Like children's out there. books. Children's books, um, especially about the kangaroo pouch. There's do you know, one. Do you know that it's, is that the name of it, the kangaroo um, pouch? I don't believe that's the name of the book. Um, I know that our carrier did buy a book or two um, to explain it to our her children. Our carrier had a three-year-old. How old were the and twins? Two six-year-olds And two six-year-olds. And time. I'll tell you something. The three-year-old, I mean, I was amazed. I mean, when she explained it to them, and she didn't tell them until she was... Significantly along, yeah, that, she was along that she the was way. showing. But when she explained it to them, and the three-year-old, like, walked up to somebody else and said, like, mommy's pregnant, but it's not our baby. It's it's Alex, and, awesome. it's Alex and David's baby. I like, mean, imagine and how that alone changes the world. Right. It's one, store, one child at a time. Right. <laughs> but then a 50-year-old can't get it. Right. right. <laughs> our niece was in the carpool, was in carpool with... Um, like friends of theirs, and she said, "My mommy's having my cousin's baby. Like my having, my, is, <laughs> having have, my has my cousin in her belly." Yeah. And so they were like, "I don't think that's possible." And she was like, "No, no, it is. It's my cousin in her belly." And then they so get ready, spin. teachers. Right. And this isn't just for right. parents. This is for teachers to realize. Right. Stop making assumptions right. about. And there are um, books. About but, a kangaroo pouch. I think there's um, something about a garden. We'll Google it. But yes. I, but, um, we'll Definitely put some tips out there for everybody. It's time for our wrap-up, and the wrap-up is always the same. Um, after all you've been through, after all you've experienced, um, how have you got this? For right here, for right now. Marissa. Um, I've got this because I, you know, I think I need to move on and look for the future and, um, you know, really celebrate 
Ezra and being a mom and, um, you know, just enjoying all of the milestones and really just, you know, soaking up uh, everything that parenthood has to offer. And I think, you know, just also, you know, our dynamic, our parenting dynamic and our relationship, um, you know, through being parents, I think it's stronger. And um, I, I mean, I just, I love when he comes home from work and how involved he is with Ezra um, on a day-to-day basis. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to be the best mom that I can because I'm able to be right now. Perfect. How do I got this? Um, I got this, well, obviously because of like us now being a family and finally getting to where we wanted to be. And then also realizing the support we had from our family, um, both directly from my sister and also um, both of our parents for this whole process. Right. And it was it was very tough. But when you know you have like a strong support system, it, it makes you think that no matter what, you'll have people there to support you and help you get through it. So um, that and because I got Marissa and she's an amazing mom and I'm a pretty awesome dad. <laughs> I am. And I, and I love I love being involved in his life and I like doing everything I can to be with him. So it, we're just going to have a very, a very um, involved parenting style. Thank you. Alex. I've got this because I have Blair and I have David. Um, David's my support, David's my rock, David's my everything, and Blair is our world. So as long as I've got that, I can take on anything, and we can take on anything. So as long as that gorgeous little smile is in that crib every morning, um, I'm good. I've got it all. Yeah. And I would completely agree. I mean, we have a perfect little 16-month-old, and at the end of the day, like, yes, we went through a lot to have her, but... I mean, we are stronger from it, and, I mean, that's it. We have our perfect little family, and God willing, one day we'll have another one, and, I mean, that's pretty much life today, so. I love it, and you're having so much fun, and I watch you, and I see your children growing, and I'm so, so, so happy for you and, and for your families. Thank you very, very Thank much. You for Thank, Thank you. you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.